Quantum Alchemy Radio, where a new perspective is a new reality. One slight shift. Imagine that one slight shift in perception can cause our perspective to become a new reality. Why not you? Why not now? Join us. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Anya Sophia Mann, and I'm so happy to be the host of a new radio show called Unwavering Strength. I'm very excited. This is an ongoing show where a lot of the co-authors in this book series called Unwavering Strength, that's the namesake for the show, will be interviewed and share their stories, in particular stories that ah, tap us into an unwavering strength that's inside each and every one of us, although sometimes when you're in it, you mightn't always feel it. So what I'll be listening for with each one of the co-authors that I interview is where were they tapping into courage and how that courage turned into a confidence in them. Today, I'll be interviewing Kareen Kasaza from Boston, where I'm from, and the name of the chapter in the book for her was Resplendent in Death, Gifts from My Mother. I'm really excited for you to listen to her story. There's a lot to learn from the warmth of this woman and, and what she went through and what she now has to share with us as those gifts from her mother. To listen to these people get real and get raw and get intimate, such an inspiration. And as you listen to the different people, listen for your own heart and your own compassion to awaken as you be inspired and connect to the hearts of these real people in real life situations. So here we go, folks. We're ready to listen to Kareem Kasasa. Join us for Unwavering Strength with Anya Sophia Nian. Listen with us as we laugh, cry, feel, heal, and be inspired with the heartfelt truth of real life situations of courage to confidence. Be with us on Unwavering Strength with Anya Sophia Mann. It's real here. Welcome, Corrine. Corrine Kazaza from Boston, Massachusetts, not only a co-author in Unwavering Strength book series, but also a very dear friend of mine. Welcome, Corrine. How are you? Thank you, Anya. It's great to be here. I'm great. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm so surprised, and then again, not surprised, at how our paths have come together. I live in Arizona. I visited you so much in Sedona. We had so much fun. And then you moved back to Boston. And I recall 
being with you, whether it's in person in Sedona or on the phone, as you were actually going through the story that you wrote about for Unwavering Strength. That's right. I was in Sedona at the time, yeah. Right. It's amazing how, you know, we just move in and out of each other's lives. And so the title of the chapter that you wrote for Unwavering Strength, which there are many co-authors, and it's somewhat like Chicken Soup for the Soul. It w- the more stories that come out, the more the books get published. And your chapter is Resplendent Death Gifts from My Mother. Right there, Kareen, when I read your chapter, the title alone is what my- got me, I want to know the gifts from your mother. So, If you will, would you be willing to start from the present moment? Because as time goes by and we have the mastership of hindsight and we look back, what would you say that you're in touch with are the gifts from your mother now? Definitely um, that there's joy in every moment, Mm. even when it doesn't look that way. And... um, that everything is always moving you to your highest good. And when you're not in the middle of agenda or story, you're free to see that. Mm. And not often um, do we see it when we're in it. Would you, would you say, was that true for you, Corinne? No, I certainly didn't see it when I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do it? We want to know. We want to know. So maybe you'll weave that in as you go along with the story, taking it from when it started, what was it, five years ago that we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you know, it's kind of like being blind and then seeing the light and being blind, seeing the light. Yeah. So take us back then. Well, um, I had been in Sedona for a while, and my mother had been diagnosed with uterine cancer almost as soon as I got there. Um, So a few years had passed. Um, she was doing okay, and then she had been in the hospital for a while, and my sister called to tell me that they said they were sending her home and that she was going to go to rehab. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that wasn't what it was. I could feel it, like it wasn't, she wasn't coming home. I just had some kind of knowing. I knew I had to get myself on a plane. Mm -hmm. So, so I did, um, and if I hadn't listened to my intuition, I wouldn't have been there. Because when I got to Boston, telling her that she was going to go home. Mm. And then the next day, they said, I'm sorry, there's nothing more that we can do for you. You're going to die. Mm. So it was um, it was just kind of shocking for everyone else. Me, I kind of had that intuition going in. So... But it was still sad, and at the same time, I was not present. It was a little bit before my birthday. I had friends in Sedona that I wanted to celebrate with. I didn't want to be in Boston. I didn't want to be there. And, you know, I was basically really selfish um, and and also, you know, a little afraid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, um, Corrine, it sounds a little bit more on the side of being afraid that it appeared to look like, oh, it's my birthday, going to party with friends in Sedona, looked like selfish, but really, you know, might have been the first glimpses of fear coming in around 
what your intuition, it sounds like your guidance, your knowing, was giving you the heads up to, even though you were up against the complete opposite story when, you know, the the doctors and everybody were saying, oh, yeah, she's going home tomorrow. So I want to jump in around this knowing, this this intuition, this gut feeling, because I can only imagine how many of the listeners can relate with being told one thing, let's say in this case medically, but inside you're feeling something else. And Corrine, the courage it must have taken to follow that, say a little bit about that. What was that like? Well, it was interesting because my mother had a couple of really um, significant operations, and I did not come home for those operations. I chose to be in Arizona and try to be supportive from there. And at this particular time, I, when I talked to my mother, she said, well, what are you coming home now for? You don't have to come home now, but, you know, it will be nice to see you. And I said, well, okay. So basically they kind of thought I was crazy, mm-hmm. um, but but then when I landed, my sister was like, her foot is really bad. You know, she's, she's lost a lot of weight. She's frail. Her hair is thinning. And, you know, she doesn't, like, she looks. So just be prepared. And that really scared me because I didn't know how I was going to respond when I saw her. Mm-hmm. But when I walked into the room, <laughs> my mother was a huge Bruins fan. <laughs> I walked into the room and she's, She's watching the playoffs, right? Okay, here we go. Here we go for our international listeners. What's a Bruins fan? Oh, it's our it's our hockey team here <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> so my mother was a huge hockey fan, and uh, she was watching the playoff games. And I walked in, and I saw her, and that was kind of comical. But I also could see that, you know, she wasn't where she was physically um, and health-wise. And but I really, I softened and I kind of surprised myself by going to sit next to her and taking her hand. Mm. 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 Yeah. So something, and I wonder if you can connect to that, Corrine, and let's spend a moment there. So something inside of you was moving you, because even though you were a little afraid of what you were going to see, you still moved forward, sat down beside her, and held her hand. So what, in spite of the fear, what was moving? What, what's your sense of that when you look back now? Well, I think that it was love and compassion mm-hmm. and the fact that I would want someone to come and sit with me if I were in that position. Mm. Ah. Beautiful, beautiful, Corrine. So what I'm hearing is even though we may be scared and afraid of what we're about to hear or see when a a person is ill, the very thing that we're afraid of, if we have the courage to move forward, could evoke the compassion in us. And, of course, as we all know, compassion starts with compassion for self. So you would want someone to treat you the way you treated your mother, and that's what moved you right in to sitting at her bedside and holding her hand as frail as she looked. Beautiful, Corrine, beautiful. And and so then what from there? So from there, um, my sister and I stayed with her at night because she didn't want to be alone. 
so we moved some chairs into the room and, and slept there. Um, and then um, a priest was called to give her last rites. Um, and I never, I never really was much of a Catholic, but I did pray with it was my parents and I um, with the priest when she was given last rites. But right before that happened, she asked me to take her glasses off. And as I took them off, I knew that she was never going to ask for them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, Corrine, in reading your chapter, that for me personally, and I'm sure each listener and each reader of your story will have a different point where they felt very moved. And for me, Corrine, that really moved me. My mother asked me to take her glasses off, and I knew she'd never ask for them again. We're back to that knowing, Corrine, that's so alive in you. So did you feel scared with that knowing, or you I, you just knew it and accepted it? What was that like? I, I was scared, um, but, I mean, there, there's nothing else but acceptance, right? I mean, what else can you do? That's, that's what's going to happen. That's what's in front of you, mm-hmm. so... It's there for you to walk through. Mm-hmm. And you did. Yes. Yes, and you did. And so what more? You were sleeping there with your sister. Funny, when I sat beside her bedside and prayed when I was alone with her, um, I was calling in Archangel Michael to come and take her. And every, I did it three times. And three times I did it, and three times she said, no, no, stop. <laughs> Like she wasn't ready to go, right. um, and then I I called a friend because I was upset. I was very aware that I wasn't present in the moment. I was preoccupied with my birthday. I was preoccupied with my cell phone being lost, and I called a friend for guidance. And she said to me, "What was the one thing that needs healing in your relationship with your mother?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "She could never see who I am." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, she can see you now." <laughs> <laughs> And and she's half in spirit and half in body, and she's sending you a gift. Every time she breathes, she's sending you love from the other side. Mm. She's sitting there watching the light and love that all of you are. That's all that she can see. And she's in such wonderment that she's not really ready to go yet. Mm. Mm. So with with hearing those words, could you see that for yourself in your mom or feel that? Yeah, finally I did. Finally I did. Mm. What was that like? That was amazing. It was so joyful. I could feel her in the room, and I realized that, you know, this was a time to celebrate, Uh that what she is and what we all are never dies, changes form a little bit. But it was just so joyous and so jubilant. And as I sat there and felt that for the first time really being present, I realized that that energy, that joy had been there all along. I was just too wrapped up in my story and my agenda and what I wanted and what I wanted to do right. to notice that. Ah, uh, right. So there so there we have one of the greatest gifts from my mother, you know, the resplendent death gifts from my mother. Is, and that's where you're coming from when you say the joy in every moment that is already there if you're not caught up in the story about what's going on. 
So can we can we visit here for a moment, Kareem, for the listeners who just might have a little question mark right now. So say a little bit more about what you now recognize as the story that was going on. My not being present, you mean? Yeah, and what was going on inside in your head? Well, I, I had started to have panic attacks, too, and I couldn't figure out what, what that was about. Um, and it was my, when I talked to my friend, she helped me realize that it was like, oh, well, I was afraid that if my mother couldn't see who I am, that I never would. Mm. And so I also realized it's my job. <laughs> it's my job to see who I am and know who I am and what I'm capable of. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really hearing, you know, the the here we go, listeners, from courage to confidence. Are you hearing what I'm hearing in Kareem's voice? Is the confidence? It's my job to determine who I am, validate who I am, not anyone else's job. Ah, I'm hearing the confidence in that one, Kareem. <laughs> <laughs> Loving your mom. What was your mom's name? Betty. Well, her name was Elizabeth, but we all called her Betty. Betty. Of course, Betty. <laughs> and that was one of the other things, too. Like While I was in Sedona, I kept thinking to myself, why am I here? Why am I here? And sometimes I even thought about it as I called it to myself, my self-imposed exile. Why am I here when there are so many people on the other side of the country who love me? Mm. And the, the answer I always got was because it's easier to do your work here. And I didn't really get it till I came back home, but it's so true. Mm. I had to be there and stand on my own two feet and realize what I was capable of and have strong boundaries before I could come back and really be in my family uh, and communicate and be in community in the way that I would like to. Uh, right. I, I really hear that one, Kareen. So now, again, the master's degree is looking from hindsight. What were some of the blocks that either you were experiencing or perceived blocks in your family that were keeping you from standing up in you? I think um, a lot of the cultural paradigms um, about women uh, in general, like you need someone to take care of you, you won't be able to make enough money to, you know, to take care of yourself, um, and definitely double standard. In my family, the men could do anything they wanted, and the women not so much. Right, right. So really, I'm hearing the cultural piece in there, and a lot of people can really relate with, you know, in particular, let's just say women. Women are treated differently in different cultures. And so Sedona grew you up. Would you say that? Absolutely. Grew yeah, you absolutely. Up, grew that's, you up, yeah, <laughs> and grew you into you. Right. For sure. So there you are, and the, the priest had come in, and prayers are being said, and and so even though you're not really religious, there you go praying, <laughs> calling an archangel Michael to escort her home, and your mom's going, mm-mm. <laughs> so go on from there. Betty! <laughs> so um, I think it was the next day um, 
when she finally passed and we were all, the whole family was around the bedside and the nurse came in to give her a scopolamine patch because she wasn't breathing that well. Um, and it was kind of comical to us because we knew what that was. My mother traveled everywhere. She traveled all over the world and she, she was really given to motion sickness. So she wore a scopolamine patch a lot. So the nurse put it on her and my sister said, oh, yeah, we know what that is. And the nurse went to walk out of the room, and my mother stopped breathing. Uh, and my sister said, well, I guess she knew she couldn't travel to another dimension without that patch. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm hearing also, this is why I'm chuckling, Kareem, the lightness around this, the lightness you know, I say that with, you know, with all good meaning, the lightness that you're, you know, feeling around your mom have passing and having passed. You're so light in it. Yeah, now I am. And even in the moment, it was okay. Like, my sister and my brother and I had all given her permission to go. And we asked my dad, we're like, can you please tell her that it's okay for her to go? And he said, no, I can't do that. So he wasn't really ready to do that, but. She was ready to go, and the only person who wasn't there was her sister, um, my aunt. And my aunt said, I knew I had to leave because she couldn't go with, with me being there. So uh-huh. she had left. Uh-huh. Um, but, but the rest of us were there. So uh-huh. it, I don't know. It, it was kind of – it was perfect. It was, it was a beautiful moment. Uh-huh. A moment that could have passed you by had you not listened, listened deep inside to your own – your own inner knowing, your own guidance to be there in spite of the contrasting story that she was going home and, you know, going to be around for a while. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a good time for me to leave either. I mean, there are all these little things in life that try to pop up in the way. At work, I was supposed to be covering for someone, mm-hmm. and I knew that if I went, someone was going to have to cover for both of us, but I knew that I needed to go, so I made sure that I was there. And and you know me, Anya, it's not my favorite thing to travel alone, never mind under those circumstances. Right. But I knew I had to be there. Right. So that's right. kind of Sedona piece for me. Everything that I was afraid of mm-hmm. for the whole six years that I was in Sedona, whatever it was, whether it was coming home for this or performing a solo dance, I did it. Whatever it was that made me scared, I stepped into it and did it. I was like, this is on my path because I'm supposed to work through it. So here I go. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. So in in what you're saying, Corrine, I'm hearing, you know, the unwavering strength that not only is there, you know, for the big things, you know, someone is passing or a long-term illness, but wow, from all those you know, courageous, you know, acts that you moved through, what, and take a moment if you need to, what now is your sense, what is that unwavering strength? What is it? Well, if you ask me, it's my beloved I am presence. It's my God essence that's Mm. moving me forward. Mm. Say a bit more. I am presence. 
say a bit more because and tie it in, Corrine, a little bit, if you will, because several times also in, in sharing the story with the listeners, you mentioned about I wasn't present, I wasn't present. So can you can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, so being present in the moment and being with the person or whoever is around you rather than wondering about, you know, my cell phone or my birthday or whatever, or work, you know, is stuff getting done at home? Um, all those things can keep you from focusing on what's in the moment. And, and, and what's in the moment at that time was, you know, my mother's last time on earth. So that's what you mean by being present, not being distracted, fully being there, no matter what it is that you're feeling. If it's you're scared, you're, you were feeling it, you went and sat and held your mother's hand. Just fully being present to what is, is an expression that I use. Present is as is. Perfect mm-hmm. is as is. It's all, for me, the same thing. Perfect presence in the moment. It's being with what is. I'm hearing that throughout. And so a bit about the I am. I am. Um, Is your God presence, your God essence, the part of you that's in spirit. So for my mother, that's where she was going, into spirit fully Mm -hmm. and completely. Mm -hmm. Um. And we're still here, so we're still in body, so we still have, but we still always have that connection to our I am presence, the God essence, the God part of us that guides us. And if we're really listening, can hear it. I mean, I really believe that that small, still voice that told me, Karine, you got to get on that plane. Mm. It was my I am presence. Mm. 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 Karine, what do you think allows us to listen to that? That voice, whatever form the voice takes, is a thought or a whisper or a feeling. What it? What do you think that's about? I think it's about again being present and being still and going within and paying attention, being in the moment. Mm. You're not. My, my friend Kevin Michael has a saying: you can't hear that small, still voice with the radio on. You have to be quiet and be present and be aware of what's going on around you and be willing to feel your feelings, even if it's not so pleasant in the moment. It passes. Right, right. And certainly you're you're walking proof of that. And can we also visit, you know, I heard you deeply when you said, but she can't see who I am. What would you say about that? Was that a belief? You know, and I I believe that a, a belief is a thought that you keep thinking over and over, consciously or unconsciously, and then after a while we start believing those thoughts that are really our limiting belief. So what would you say about that now? But she could never see me. Well, she could see me now. <laughs> but, um, at, at that time or when I was growing up, you know, I always wanted to be a writer. Since I was eight years old, I wanted to be a writer. It's the thing I've ever wanted to do. And, and she always told me, yeah, no, you can't do that. You'll never. My mother was a banker, and she was a very successful banker. She should have been the president of a bank somewhere. And she would tell me, no, you, you can't do that. You'll never make any money doing that. No, no, you don't want to be a starving artist. 
so that was her belief. But I never took that on. I knew that I was meant to write. It's what I love, um, and, you know, it's what I do. Yes, yes. And there has to be a connection, especially a heart connection, when, especially when I'm reading the story, I could feel your heart. And is that um, a piece for you that you could maybe say a little bit about for the listeners? What's it like to connect from your heart and to write? Was this a story that came easily for you? Was it a struggle? Was there emotion? Yeah, um, this one came easily for me because, you know, I was I was in it or through it when I wrote it, and I could really feel it. Um, and I have an affirmation that I use for myself all the time. I am heartfelt expression because as a writer, that's the most important thing, to get those emotions and feelings on the page so that you can evoke them in your reader. Mm. So. I like to get myself really quiet and still and in a meditative space. And I I breathe in and out my heart space. I pretend my heart has nostrils. Uh-huh. I breathe in and out through my heart space until that space expands around me and I can really feel it. And that's the space that I write from. You know, and in this moment, it almost feels like Betty, your mom, when you spoke about the joy that you were feeling, finally, when you got out of your own way, that your mom was really in that I am, that presence, that that heartfelt space and connecting to that. And in that, it can't not be a direct connection to you if you're in your heart space. So I can see now why earlier in your story that you were saying, I wasn't present, I wasn't present, because you weren't feeling it. Yeah, would you right. say? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, beautiful. So tell us a little bit more. So your mom took her final breath. Now that she had her 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 travel patch. <laughs> yep, and she was surrounded by family, and we had a lot more family come in um, and she did. She died two days before my birthday, um, and I was, I was ready for that. Um, so we had, we actually had the wake on my birthday, and it was, it was a little strange because all my friends came from New Hampshire or wherever they came from, and they were all bringing me gifts to the wake, um, uh-huh. which was kind of kind of funny. And then um, the next day was the funeral, um, and I actually, I I spoke and, and did a reading um, at the church, which was really beautiful and uh, I remember um, you know it was a Catholic church and the priest was from India and I'd never experienced a Catholic church uh, Catholic priest from India so he kept saying he was so beautiful and he kept saying how my mother was a precious pearl that he was a precious pearl um, and I just thought that was perfect mm-hmm. so that goes that reminds me a little bit about in the story, you mentioned something about your mom and the jewelry and the bling. <laughs> and there's the priest saying that your mom was a precious pearl. Say a little bit about that because I know she traveled the world. That's right. My mother traveled all over the world, and everywhere she went, she bought jewelry. And when she wasn't out shopping for jewelry in some exotic land, she was home shopping for jewelry on TV, on you know QVC or the, the shopping <laughs> channel. So while my sister and I were in the room with her, um, sleeping there while she was 
counting. Um, we were watching QVC and looking at all the rings, and we were joking. The more bling, the better the ring. Uh, and that described Betty. Hmm. Right. Yeah, she was definitely she was definitely into bling. Right. Right. And so, looking at yourself now. Corrine, and I know, yes, the gifts that your mother gave you, the joy in any moment, but in terms of you, your the essence of who you are and your personality and all the little idiosyncrasies that we all have, do you see your mother coming through in ways through you where you're like, oh, my God, I sound like my mother, or my mother would have done that and you're doing it. You noticing any of that, especially now that she's passed on? Yeah, I, I absolutely sound like her. I mean, uh-huh. people, if I answer the phone at my sister's house, sometimes people are taken aback. Um, and I have another um, aunt who was a very good friend of my mother, and every time she sees me now, she says, you look so much like your mother. And I say, yeah, when, when I look in the mirror, I see it too. Right. Right. So there's an expression that I use in the work that I do, and that is we are our parents' next iteration. And there's also um, an expression that what our parents didn't complete or a fear they couldn't face or, or whatever, we can move that through with our life. Thus, we are our parents' next iteration. Do you find yourself in your present-day life moving things through that are directly something from, let's just say, your mom in this moment that um, maybe she she couldn't face or she excelled at that is moving through you? Absolutely. I mean, it's funny that you say that because she wanted my life. My mother was a little <laughs> bit ahead of her time. She she never wanted children. She really wanted a career, um, and she was very successful. At the time when she left her career to marry my dad, she was the, a supervisor in a bank. She was 22 years old and had 25 people working for her. Ooh. So she was definitely very successful, um, and she didn't want kids, wanted a career, which was exactly the route that I took. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. That that's fantastic. And and so so listening to you saying that, it's almost I'm almost sitting taller in my chair, you know, mm-hmm. at knowing that, wow, it isn't just the unique individual us, yes, that's true. And but we're also moving through the lineage behind us. Wow, I stand taller at the thought of that. And and also in who we are becoming and listening to your story, Kareem, we can clearly as listeners hear, you know, how much you courageously, even though it mightn't have felt it at the time, how much you moved through really shows up sitting up in that confidence. I'm really, really, really feeling that from you. So we're way more than just us. Maybe you can say that in your own words. You know what I'm referring to. You know, we're way more than just us. Say a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely wasn't feeling it in the moment, but um, I really feel that the experience of being there with her 
was such a gift could after that express myself more deeply and more fully and I had more of a desire to connect with others and to help others and in fact um, the piece that I wrote was published in a small magazine and I worked for that magazine in Sedona for six years it was the only piece I never got paid for because I asked the publisher to just run it I said I just want people to read this just run it so mm. it was an act of service that began, and now, you know, it's going to be in unwavering strength, yes. and a lot more people will have a chance to read it. Yes, absolutely. That's beautiful. So how do you imagine people might be moved by your story, Kareem? Do you have a sense of that? I just feel like um, for pe- I want people to know that you can get through your grief. Mm. But it really is it really is something to celebrate once you can see it that way. It's you know, a perspective shift, a paradigm change. It really is something to be celebrated and you know, and again that joy piece. And this pertains to everyday life. Joy is there in every single moment. Every single moment. You just have to be there and be present and be in the moment to appreciate it. Right. Right. That's something that we see in children. Yes. Yes. See, seeing through the, the eyes of wonderment, the eyes of a child, and that's very, very much the place I try to be when I write. Mm. Yeah. The giggle in the eye when I think of children. It's like mm-hmm. you see the giggle in the eye. And as as you move toward the last paragraph in, in your book, I mean in the book, in, in the story, the universe is always conspiring to bring us to our highest good. So I quote, the universe is always conspiring to bring us to our highest good. Can you say something about that, Corrine? Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's about being in the moment and being present because the universe is always bringing us opportunities to move us to our higher good. And when we're paying attention and listening to our guidance, We'll take those opportunities. I mean, when I was in Sedona, I worked for Sedona Training Associates. I never wanted to go there. It was never a job that I wanted. But once I got there, I made so many amazing connections. And, in fact, it was there that I met Judy O'Byrne and her team at Hasmark um, Uh and made that connection. And at, at that point in time, I knew that I wanted to work with her, but it wasn't appropriate for me to say so. Uh (laughs) So when I got... When I got back to Boston, I contacted Judy, and I did um, do some copywriting for her. Yeah. So our connection goes, goes back a bit. And Judy O'Byrne is the creator of the Unwavering Strength book series. So that's where that ties in. Now, I'm finding this so interesting. Again, the universe is always conspiring to bring us to our highest good, quote from Kareem's chapter, here we came full circle in in another way, and Judy full circle. It's just so interesting to watch life unfold and how, again, the universe conspired and brought us together. I mean, of course, we're friends anyway, but each had no idea that we were, we both, because actually I am myself, we both have a chapter in Unwavering Strength. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, 
fascinating. So, Corinne, I'm just going to go um, to a little bit of, I don't want to say opposite, but a contrast, let's say that. You know, in people that I do interview and in the stories for Unwavering Strength, with, with people are just really tapping into the core. They're in the bowels of their soul. And their story doesn't, when they're in it, doesn't feel as light, as as easy, as joyful. When they're right in the throes of it and they're just feeling like they're they're going down that deep dark hole and you know it's been a long-term illness and you know or a sudden death is there anything that you could share to bring light to yes you can be in the death experience feel the joy as you did get from your mom and be where they are that you know that that the joy is there. It's underneath it all. Can you say a bit about that? And maybe Eve, you can even relate. Sure. Yeah, I think that, well, for me anyway, in my experience, the thing, the thing for me that bring me into the moment and made that possible for me were really meditation and prayer. I mean, for me, I meditate daily, um, and that really you know, allows you to hear your guidance and that small, still voice and to make sense of what's going on around you and ask questions um, and just be still, be in the moment. And just, I mean, you have to have faith, too. You have to know that it's going to pass, you're going to get through it, and that there's a gift in it. Mm. And once you're through it, you can look and find what the gift was or is. And um, But just having that faith that it's all for a reason. I, I don't believe there are any coincidences. It's all for a reason. And once again, I would say the universe is always bringing you to your highest good. So if you have faith in that, you know something good is going to come from it. There's a gift in there somewhere. You just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. So believing, trusting, having the faith that it is there, even though when you're blinded by fatigue and dealing with the doctors and and whatever all might be going, you know, sudden news of a divorce you weren't expecting, you know, which all of those stories will be unwavering strength. So what I'm hearing you say is that even though you're in the thick of it, you can tap into the freedom of who you really are, which really is the unwavering strength that's getting you through it, that I am presence or that um, expanded aspect of you that's moving you through it. Am I hearing you right, Corrine? Yeah, absolutely. The freedom that we are is always available to us. We just have to get quiet and listen. So even in the middle of all that overwhelm, Mm. if you could sit there and be quiet and meditate, Mm. you'll figure it out. It'll come to you. Mm. Because the space is there to receive it. Yes. Right. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. Very, um, very uplifting um, and again, I feel really the lightness in you, and I heard the courage all the way through, and I hear the confidence in you now, Corrine. You mentioned uh, about being a writer. Is there anything that you want to share? Do you have published books? 
other than the chapter that's coming out in this new book. Anything you want to share about that? And perhaps some contact details if someone wants to shoot you off an email and say, wow, can I resonate with your story? Yeah, sure. Um, I do have a couple of novels out. The last one is called Walk Like an Egyptian, which is available from Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. My website is CasazaWriting.com. Um, So you can go up there and read some of the magazine articles that I've written. And um, Kareen at CassandraWriting.com, you can shoot me an email. Um, I'd be happy to hear from you. And Kareen, would you spell for those who are jotting that address down now? Sure. The website is CassandraWriting at C like cat, A like apple, S like Sam, A like apple, Z like zebra, Z like zebra, A like apple, writing.com. And my email is Corinne, it's C-O-R-I-N-N-E, Casaza, C-A-S-A-Z-Z-A, at gmail.com. Yeah. Just in this moment, does does your name have anything, is is it relevant to something or someone in your family, Corinne? Yes, my my mother names me after um, a French actress, her name was Corinne Calvay. She was quite the bombshell, and she made some <laughs> westerns. Yeah, she was a bombshell. She made some westerns in Hollywood in the 40s with James Stewart. And I actually have, she, you can still get her movies on Netflix. I actually have a picture of her, and people actually say that I look like her. So that's kind of funny. But, yeah, my mother names me. Right. Well, Folks, I have to jump in and and just say a little something here. As a visionary intuitive, I have to say to you, Kareen, your mother was not letting you get through this interview without bringing that. She's claiming it. Ask her about her name. (laughs) (laughs) So there it is, folks. You heard it here first. (laughs) That was fantastic. Wonderful. Kareen, anything else that you want to add for the listeners? Um, Just please keep get yourself still and quiet and listen. And in that silence, you'll find your essence. And that makes all the difference in this journey. Mm. What a wonderful reminder. And I appreciate you, Corrine. You're warm. You're just so warm-hearted to me. And I share that with you. You know, we're warm hearts together. Listeners, this is a beautiful human being taking the time to share with us a story, and I trust that you will receive from it exactly what you need to receive in the moment. And listeners, I appreciate all of you. See you next time. Bye. Now you can also read Anya's unconventional poetry, prose, and musings at clearlight.substack.com. listening to the Quantum Alchemy Radio Show. Join us again as hosts, guests, and callers create a new, different, and timely show. We invite you to be the shift that wants to happen in the world. Thank you.